building? How do we make sure that the business communities engage in our communities across the state here in Minnesota? And that's a really important component. As at an era where we have great polarization and potentially um, less people engage in their community, uh, we can be an antidote for that in the business community by bringing people together in a sense of community to promote a greater common good. And ultimately, how do we at the chamber create stronger business climate that helps all Minnesotans be successful economically? So if you think about civic engagement, Minnesota does very well. Uh, Larry Jacobs and I were visiting the other day, and this is fundamentally, I believe, and he believes, in the DNA of Minnesota. And it shows up in some of the data. Minnesota has the highest voter turnout in the last couple election cycles at 64% in 2018, and a remarkable 74% nation-leading in the last presidential cycle of 2016. But I would say to you also, take a look at the data that surrounds our primary process, where I don't think we see the same level. And it's one of the reasons we look at, why do we have an August primary in Minnesota? Is that the best month for it? And I would suggest maybe it's not. Maybe we had to move that date. And I know there's others that feel the same. Almost half of Minnesotans participate and contribute their time and energy to organizations across the state. Organizations that build that fabric of strength in the state. And six in 10 adults say they help their neighbors and their community along the way as well. So we're a giving state, we're a particip participatory state, and we're a civic-minded state. So without further ado, let's move on with the program. We are honored today to have Ashley Spillane with us. Uh, she's the, so, she is a social impact strategist. I love that title. And you're, in your handout, you have her bio. But she has a master's uh, in public administration from the Harvard Kennedy School, where she's the author of the Harvard case study on civic responsibility, the power of companies to increase voter turnout. So join me in welcoming Ashley to the stage as we go one more time. Go Twins! Thank you so much, Doug, and thank you all for coming out this morning and being here. Um, I'm really grateful to the Humphrey School for having us and to Secretaries of State Simon and uh, Pete for being here today uh, to share about the important work that they do that help make our elections possible, um, and the National Association of Secretaries of State for allowing um, for other election officials to be here from other states, too. Um, I am here today because my co-author, Sophia Gross, and I last year set out to understand the role that companies were playing in helping to make sure that uh, our voter participation in this country is what it should be in, in representative and, and high, like the great state of Minnesota. Um, and we wanted to understand the role companies were playing and could play in increasing participation. So we published a case study in June looking at what eight different companies from very different sectors were doing to accomplish this. These eight companies, um, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota, which we'll hear from today, Endeavor, Gap, Patagonia, Snapchat, Spotify, Target, who we'll also hear from today, and Twitter, um, participated and staff from each of these companies was incredibly giving of their time, spent hours on the phone with us, sharing their experiences, patiently answering our many questions about their work over email, um, and giving us a really honest look at what worked for their programs, what didn't, what the challenges were, and um, what lessons they learned so that they could benefit others. 
Um, we saw in 2018 over 400 companies do this work to encourage employees and consumers to vote. And these efforts helped set record turnout numbers in 2018. It was, in fact, the highest turnout for a midterm election in the last century. Um, this was incredibly encouraging to us about the role that companies could play, and it showed that it's possible to move the needle in the U.S. when it comes to civic participation. But for Sophia and I, we are still sort of on this uh, road tour, making sure that we're reaching as many people as we can with this message because we are celebrating record turnout in 2018 that still was just half of the country showing up to vote. It's not true here in Minnesota, you have a much higher turnout rate. Um, but that, you know, we really want to make sure that we are engaging all people to participate in our democracy and create the kind of culture that you do have here in Minnesota. Um, so to kick off our panel discussion today, I was asked to share the five top lessons that we learned from our case study. Um, first, despite the fact that it can be intimidating for a company to get involved in these kinds of efforts, it is worth creating initiatives around voter registration and voter mobilization in the company. Low civic participation in the U.S. requires a culture shift, and any level of engagement is better than none. The eight companies that we studied uh, varied greatly in what they did. Some started their programs a year in advance. I am looking at... Blue Cross and Blue Shield in Minnesota, um, and others began thinking about these programs just two weeks before the voter registration deadlines. Some ex spoke exclusively to their employees, others to a millions of Americans through consumer-facing uh, initiatives. Some stuck to just posting on social media, others created in-depth nonpartisan voting guides for their employees, hosted events with elected officials, or created election-themed consumer products. There's a whole range of things that can be done. But no matter what each of them did, they all reported seeing at least some impact from their efforts. Second, all of the companies we spoke with described these initiatives as having actually, and surprisingly in most uh, times, been good for business. Um, the civic engagement programs helped raise brand awareness for companies, strengthened relationships with employees and shareholders in some instances, established partnerships with elected officials. And the people running these programs were really um, encouraged by how often they got positive feedback from the, these stakeholders um, and how frequent that positive feedback was. And that included employees and consumers alike. Third, the individuals oversaw their, who oversaw their company's initiatives came from very different departments in the companies and had very different roles. Some were from communications or government relations, others from marketing teams. Um, and they all said the key to their success was not what the title was of the person helping run the initiative. It was whether or not they had buy-in from their leadership and from peers in the organization. It was really important that their coworkers felt like they were supported in taking these initiatives on. Fourth, all of the companies had a mandate, um, no matter what program they were running, to make sure that the efforts were nonpartisan. And this was something that um, all of the companies lifted up as a really big concern of theirs as they thought about jumping into this work. Um, they all found unique and creative ways to make sure they were doing the work while also maintaining that nonpartisanship. 
Um, because they made it clear that their efforts were about strengthening our democracy and making sure that everyone was able to have their voice heard. They, they didn't feel, uh, they didn't have any reports that people felt like they were advocating for a particular candidate or a party, which was important. They always, at the bottom line, prioritized the act of voting above all else. And last, but certainly not least, these companies benefited greatly from leaning on partners in the nonprofit community, as well as elected officials and the Secretary of State's offices around the country. Um, they really helped make their programs as great as they could be by leaning on the expertise from these officials and nonprofits, and then translating those recommendations into things that were programs, communications that were incredibly on brand for their company. So you really do need to have a, a real partnership in, in that work. So with the 2020 presidential uh, election, part of our daily conversation already, I'm sure some of you have heard about things as you woke up this morning um, and are talking about as we, as we all are, um, it is clearly not too early yet to begin the conversations around what we can do to increase civic participation. And so we are encouraging companies of all sizes, um, no matter what programs they're thinking about, to start making plans now. We hope you will read the case study. I know there are copies um, outside. And think about implementing your own programs, whether that be companies you run, places you're working, um, and that you'll share it with others so that they can be inspired to do the same. We know that any engagement in this space from the corporate world will help improve participation rates across the country, and that will help change the fabric of our democracy. Sophia and I are happy to be a resource to any of you as you start to think about doing this, um, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Our contact information is available in the case study and on the website, and we're really excited to follow up this, answer all your questions in this uh, panel discussion next. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm Lee Schaefer of Star Tribune. I'm business columnist and economics columnist at, at Star Tribune, and I've been asked to uh, help facilitate our panel today. Um, as the panel gets underway, there will be cards that go out uh, to you all in the audience for questions, and we'll have a period of, of questions from the floor uh, later on. Um, I'd like to just very briefly introduce our, our panelists. Their full bio is in the program. Uh, we have Isaac Reyes, a Vice President of Government Affairs from Minneapolis-based Target Corporation. Craig Samet, President and Chief Executive Officer, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota. Steve Simon, Secretary of State for the Great State of Minnesota. Uh, Ashley will join us as well. And uh, why don't you come to the stage? Thank you. All good panel discussions work with a little bit of a yes and, so if you want to add to somebody's uh, answer, please feel free. Um, and uh, I think uh, maybe the way to start our conversation is uh, uh, we seem to have an assumption that civic, civic engagement is important, but for our, our business folks or for anybody in the panel, why is civic, civic engagement important? 
Feel free. <laughs> Look, I'll jump. I'll jump in it again. Isaac Reyes with Target. Um, you know, as we look at, it's it's built into our DNA, really. As you look at the way our company has started, you know, since our inception and since our founding, we've given back into the communities that we serve and that we're we're in. Um, whether it's the five percent that that we dedicate from our income back to the the communities each and every year, or to the ways that we invest in in our workers and and the people and their families. So the idea that we're going to help educate um, team members and guests about getting out the vote, resources that are available to them to do, it was just a natural, easy extension for us. Um, you know, going, I say natural and easy, it, I'm looking at Jeff Jewell here in the audience who, who was uh, really our point person on, on that for us for such a long time. You have to have somebody dedicated to doing it, and I think you have to be thoughtful about how you provide some uh, options to your leaders at the company. Uh, but it was just a really easy conversation for us to have because it's the way that we as Target want to show up in our communities. Yeah, I'll join in as well. I, I mean, I think there's there are a few things that are right for community, right for democracy, right for business, uh, right for culture, um, like civic engagement. And, you know, I think Minnesota, I'm not surprised with the statistics uh, from Minnesota because I, I think we're a unique place. Uh, you know, I... I came to be here in the healthcare community in Minnesota because I've always viewed Minnesota as a sort of a leader, uh, a trailblazer in, in solving community problems, solving industry problems. And if anyone is gonna serve as an example for what civic engagement can look and feel like, I think it's Minnesota. Um, we can certainly get into the value proposition, but I, um, but I, I think that um, this is an area of significant distinction for the state that uh, it's important because we need to stand up for more than just our own organization or our own silo and stand up for what is right for the community. Okay, go ahead, Secretary. Well, I was just gonna say, uh, and I'm so glad that Doug Loon uh, mentioned, as I never fail to do, that Minnesota for the last two election cycles was number one in the country. Uh, But because of that, I get asked a lot, why? Why is that? Why does that honor come to Minnesota so frequently? Is it something in the water? Is it dumb luck? Is it sheer coincidence? I don't think so. There are many reasons to stand out for me. One is good laws on the books that have been put there over the decades in a bipartisan way. And the second one is culture. And I know that's an elusive word. It's a difficult word. But uh, for these purposes, if culture is our habit or way of doing things, our habit and way of doing things in Minnesota is to be civically engaged in many different areas, and I think the business community has been exceptional in that regard over the last couple of generations. We have some corporate and nonprofit citizens who have done an outstanding job of spreading the message about all kinds of civic engagement, but voting in particular. So that has been one of the secrets to our success in Minnesota. There's no question about that. Thank you. Um, I have a, uh, businesses like to do things for a return. Uh, business case or ROI and methodologies are different by organization. Uh, what's a business case for fostering civic engagement? How do you all get a return? So I think we traditionally think of return as financial and from our perspective the returns that we've experienced are far greater than that. And uh, for Blue Cross Blue Shield I think it falls in three dimensions. Um, one is it, it's good for business in that healthcare is a highly regulated industry. Um, and, and healthcare is an omnipresent 
consistent part of our society that stays regardless of who's in office, um, regardless of political circumstances. Uh, we need to understand how government works. We need to understand how we improve the health of our community uh, with various parties in office. And so from a business perspective, a lot of it is about knowledge and education for our associates so they understand healthcare and they understand the political leanings of healthcare. Um, the second thing is it's, it's good for culture. Uh, one of the things that is so crucial for us in our goals and in our strategies and in our culture is diversity and inclusion. And actually, we, in, we envision uh, civil discourse and civic engagement as a significant component of that. <clears throat> civic engagement is about voice. And we believe that regardless of race, gender, um, personal circumstance, or political interests, that everyone has a voice. Everyone should have a voice. Everyone should speak up. Everyone's voice should matter equally. Uh, and it's highly consistent with what we're trying to accomplish from a cultural standpoint. So it has a cultural return for us. And then <clears throat> we're obviously in the business of health. And um, it's been fascinating to see the studies that actually show that communities that have a higher level of civic engagement are healthier. Um, and so from our point of view, if we can play our part in driving up civic engagement, then we play our part in helping our community be healthier, which is the business that we're in. So it, it doesn't have a sort of direct financial ROI. It has a return on community if we can think of it as an ROC. Okay. Uh, Isaac, would you... How would Target view the, the business case or the ROI? You know, I think the challenge that any company is going to have is balancing the needs of shareholders and stakeholders, right? And so the traditional, you know, business definition is you do what's good for the bottom line, but I think that's evolving, right? Expectations mm -hmm. from um, our guests and from our team members, our employees and our shoppers are evolving. Uh, there's an expectation that, that companies take positions on a variety of issues, some of them, you know, social, some political. You know, so I, I think this, the engagement that we have, and again, going back to our communities, and the thoughtful way that we decide to weigh in on issues like get out the vote efforts um, and those education, they're meaningful, right? So I don't know that you can measure, uh, you know, via ROI, but it definitely, uh, we get a ton of positive feedback from, again, our employees and our shoppers when we do things like this. And, you know, there's, there's a price for inaction as well, um, as is highlighted in the report. So, um, you know, as, as the, you know, the evolution of the expectation from our shoppers is ongoing, you know, we need to meet them where, where they are. Yeah, Ashley, what have you seen in your work about this question of business case or ROI? Yeah, I, I would echo what Isaac said. Um, and I think you, you see this happening in a rather expedited fashion right now where um, consumers and employees are wielding a different kind of and a different amount of power um, over what bus over business decisions. And so, you know, about a month ago now, some of the largest companies in, in America mm -hmm. met around the business roundtable and actually changed their mission statement from being exclusively um, committed to shareholders to including a number of additional um, 
factors that they consider, including community and the environment as part of that. And so you are seeing just this sort of rush towards acknowledging the culture shift that's already happening of people paying more attention, of people, you know, the, the young generation, people under 34 are more committed to buying from companies that align with their values, to recommending companies uh, to their friends that align with their values, for working for companies that align with their values. And I think what we're seeing, particularly as it relates to civic engagement, is people, um, democracy's having having a moment. Um, it's, it's trending right now. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> which is great. It's a great time for, for what we do. Um, but g given this trend and people waking up and starting to pay attention, they are looking for their companies to be doing the same. And we one example um, that we actually, we didn't include in the case study from a company that, that declined to participate was, um, they, they said to us, you know, we didn't have a particularly formal program in 2018 around this, but we will next time because our CEO keeps going into offices around the country and finding employees who have self-established voter registration booths in the lobby. And we now have to catch up. And so I think that what you're seeing with companies that have been doing this for a long time, they have set a very high bar and some great modeled behavior. Um, and, and you know, and since the case study has come out, we have gotten outreach from dozens more companies who are saying, we have to do this now. There is a real risk to us being left behind, um, which is great for civic engagement. Thank you. Um, Unfortunately, here in the state, we had a newspaper writer kind of make fun of that uh, business roundtable statement. So uh, I don't know what the hell he could have been thinking. Um, so elections, uh, as I'm sure everybody in the room knows, have become um, highly partisan, even toxic. And um, I'd like to know how businesses are supposed to navigate that. I think if, if it got out that the CEO was dictating how employees ought to vote on something, that would be a scandal. That'd be a problem, I just mm -hmm. for about any organization. So how do you, how do you manage that? It, civic engagement on the one hand without choosing sides in a highly partisan world on the other. That's for everybody. <laughs> so I'm happy to jump in. The expression I'd use is we need to be fiercely nonpartisan. Um, unrelentlessly so. And I think that's um, been the essence of our program, that we, we want people to vote. We don't talk about how they should vote or who they should vote for. That's a forbidden dialogue. Um, we want to educate. So inform our folks that they have a voice and that they should use that voice. And a good part of the program, um, you know, I, I should have mentioned that we've been at this for 19 years. So Blue Cross started Citizen Blue 19 years ago. Right. So we continue to make it better in partnership with the secretary's office and we learn every year how to make it better. And uh, we've made improvements and the improvements mean that nonpartisan uh, means that you get an I, vote, I voted sticker, not an I voted for X sticker. Um, when we invite, um, uh, speakers, we invite leaders from all of the major parties, and we're very even and we're very balanced, and we want everyone to come uh, because that's how our associates see and feel nonpartisanship. I think it also has very much fostered 
sort of uh, civil discourse in the organization because we're clearly not biased in how we represent this. I, I think that's how, uh, you know, there's, there's always skepticism about the, the motives of uh, civic engagement, but I think we build trust when we're truly very balanced in the approach we take. Yep, you're in healthcare, and, and healthcare policy is about as partisan as anything gets these days. Um, how can you be informing people about the issues in healthcare without in, maybe inadvertently uh, betraying a bias? Well, I, I mean, I think that we want everyone to, to know the distinct platforms from the right and the left, um, because there are pros and cons and there are merits of each. And so, um, yes, uh, healthcare is a very partisan business, um, but that doesn't mean we have to be partisan. Um, we can represent the facts knowing that, you know, our focus is better care for the people we serve at a lower cost. Not how to get there, but that we want a community that's well and healthy, and there are arguments that you could hear from both sides about what the right direction is to get there. That is not our role. Our role is to deliver on the health of the community, and that's how we can be nonpartisan. Uh, thank you, Craig. Um, others on this topic? My, my, my answer is evolving as I sit here, so I apologize. But <laughs> <laughs> So I'd approach it in two different ways, which, which is we, we do in a policy space have to pick sides, right? So we can't be everything to everybody. There are things that drive our business, and there are priorities that we have to stand up for and make sure our voice is heard. That doesn't apply when we're talking about get out the vote efforts, right? Which is why I think this is such a great on-ramp for so many companies because this is something that shows that you care about your employees and you care about your, your shoppers and your guests. One of the things that we talk about when we talk about civil discourse, and my colleagues from Target here have heard me say this about a thousand times, because we go out and we intentionally have conversations at Target with team members and encourage them to disagree but do it in a civil way. Right, the idea that you have to be in one camp or the other and that you can't learn from each other and that you can't disagree and without being disagreeable, that you can't be open-minded to try to learn a little bit more about somebody else's position is one that I just, I, I don't understand. Um, you know, my, my old boss used to say, we need to have more conversations with each other that make us go, huh, I hadn't thought about it that way. And I think we've lost a little bit of that, even if I still disagree with you at the end of the day, you know, what we use, again, I use it as, a, as an on-ramp, if you will, the GOTV piece that try to provide those resources and to provide that education is, is one of the easier things that we should be able to do. And that helps build up that good capital and that, that goodwill when we need to have those tougher conversations that are, are more partisan at times. So I don't think it's an and or, I think it's a, you have to do them both. And if I could just say, uh, I don't speak from the business perspective, but as an outside validator, having dealt with both of these institutions and others in Minnesota, Cargill, Delta Airlines, and others, you know, they can walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, as you just heard, it's okay for an entity to have a position on a bill, uh, or even for its PAC, if they have one, to have endorsed a candidate. But what I'm seeing happening in Minnesota, and what I think makes it uh, so effective, is what we've heard here today, a focus on the act of voting, um, irrespective of who the voter or the employer or the team member votes for, that I think has been very, very effective and people appreciate it. And in my line of work, um, half of the battle is often just getting out information about how to register mm -hmm. and how to vote, demystifying it, taking away all the scariness that some people might have, particularly people who have maybe moved to Minnesota from somewhere else 
they're familiar with a totally different set of rules, mm -hmm. and telling them that you just go to one website, mnvotes.org happens to be that website, mm -hmm. and you can find out how to register to vote. You can find out how to have an absentee ballot uh, sent to you so you don't even have to go to a polling place, that kind of thing. And I have to say, these two particular partners, but others have been really, really effective in getting that message out. What is the role of your office when businesses want to foster civic engagement? You kind of touched on that, so maybe. Yeah, I, it's to say yes, first. <laughs> and, but, but seriously, it's also to, um, to work with them, whoever their appoint person or appoint people are, to make sure we're doing what is culturally uh, sensible for their institution and organization. You've heard a couple of examples here. That is the norm of it being rigorously nonpartisan, conveying information, talking about the act of voting, talking about the laws, talking about the culture, talking increasingly about election security, for example, a hot topic out there that is also a nonpartisan topic or should be. So we engage them on whatever platform and on other, whatever way they want to. Uh, we see our role as conveying information. You know, though I don't speak from the, the corporate or business perspective, I can say that what I've heard here on the panel is very familiar to us. Our office, too, has an obligation to be rigorously nonpartisan. It is inappropriate. It is, um, uh, it is out of bounds for our office to put its thumb on the scale for any candidate or campaign, and we don't. So we're very comfortable working with those who have the same worldview. Okay. Can Thank I you. Something to Please. I, I get asked the question about partisanship, um, usually in the form of angry messages on social media um, <laughs> a lot. And a couple things that I think are, are worth pointing out. Um, one, the problem we're trying to solve for that should be concerning to everyone is what I started off this panel by saying, which is that half of Americans in a midterm election and over a third of Americans in a presidential year are making a conscious decision to reject the process and the system altogether. And that should be concerning for both political parties. They, that, that is not a, a, a partisan pick one or the two issue. Um, that I think we are seeing more people on both sides of the aisle wake up to this concern and be concerned. I mean, this, this event is a perfect example. We have secretaries from both political parties from two great states in the Midwest who care about this issue, who think it's important. And most of the work that we do, um, I think we interact with members of Congress, with elected officials, um, election officials from both sides of the aisle who do think this is a priority. It is more a um, sort of myth in the system, I think, at this point that um, attacking companies for being partisan is, is real. The other thing I would just say is that if you are running a legitimately nonpartisan campaign effort and you are being attacked on social media for doing anything otherwise, your, the, if you are truly doing it, you will have a base of support in your employees or your consumers to come out and help counter that narrative. And I think that that is um, one place where we have seen companies be very tentative about wading into this work and be very happy to not be attacked or when attacked, have people really stick up and defend them. And I think that that's important to remember because I do think this issue that you raise is the one that is scariest to companies right now. Thank you for that. Um, we have we have questions to go through 6 p.m. So um, <laughs> uh, all, I've been through a bunch and they're all good. So let's just write, can we get into them? Yeah. Um, are there any formal uh, coalitions, organizations, partnerships for the business community to foster civic engagement? Is it happening with the chamber? Is it happening with the business partnership? Anything, anything else out there as a group, a formal group working on it? 
I won't speak to Minnesota. Um, at the national level, there are a couple of different um, coalitions that have come together in partnership um, most frequently with the National Association of Secretaries of State, which I mentioned before. Um, one is around National Voter Registration Day, which uh, is actually a holiday that my business partner created um, on a whim seven years ago and is now celebrated widely by national officials on both sides, companies all over the country. Um, and that's a coalition of about 4,000 partners from around the country, nonprofit, um, business, election, uh, that come together in celebration of that. That's a great um, gateway drug if you want to get involved in this work um, because it's, it's, it's sort of ready-made, easy to get involved in, um, very happy, friendly holiday um, you might have seen Ellen posting about it last week. It was last week. Um, and the, the second is a group that was um, formerly known as the TurboVote Challenge, is now currently called the um, Civic Alliance. And they are a great resource um, to try to help companies, both with the technology that they need to set up registration, pledge to vote, tactics that we know really do help employees uh, along, and also provide resources um, that connect you either at the state and local level or uh, resources to promote to voters about where they can ask frequent, you know, questions. And just, you raised this earlier, but there's an um, election hotline that you can call and ask questions about voting. And I often bring this up that one of the most frequently asked questions last cycle as people were starting to think about engaging for the first time was what should I wear to the polls? <laughs> and it's, it's kind of funny, but if you think about it, like if you think back to the first time you had jury duty or the first time you, you know, went to the courthouse for something or the first time you voted, if you hadn't been with your parents, you don't know what that's like and you have these outstanding questions. And so making resources available to answer sort of very basic, straightforward um, things is incredibly helpful. So how do you answer that question? <laughs> Anything you want. <laughs> Katy Perry once made a video that you can vote naked. It's not true, but <laughs> anything up from there is good. <laughs> you know, the only thing that I would add is I, I think the reason we want to do this is to build these coalitions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, the state has always been um, fast followers that when we have innovators, we should follow those innovators, whether it's us or Target or the others in the state. We, we'd love everyone to drive out a level of civic engagement that we've established, and it just makes the whole health state you know, state healthier. Well, we keep pushing everyone else to come here for answers. <laughs> so here's a great question. Um, how does a company maintain a bipartisan civic engagement uh, program when the CEO or other leaders become identified as, as partisan? Host a fundraiser, show up as a major donor. Uh, doesn't that undermine the whole program? Can I, well, let me, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's just speaking on behalf of Target, what we, again, you have to approach it in a couple of different ways is, yes, we, we have a political program that involves a political action committee. We go out of our way to make sure that that political giving, at least from Target's, um, uh, what we can control, is perfectly bipartisan, split down the middle 50-50. That's very important to our employees who donate to our, our PAC, and it's also, again, important to, to our other stakeholders. Um, you know, whether leaders engage in the political process and they lean Democrat or Republican, at the end of the day, doesn't impact what we do representing that company. Um, you know, we, 
we have a way of making sure that we connect and that we build our brand and it doesn't it's not from our, at least our perspective driven by our leaders um, but fortunately i have not had to uh, <laughs> deal with something like that you know, I'll, I'll weigh in on that. I mean, I, I think, again, it goes back to what we said earlier, that it's it's about encouraging our people to vote and to not put a voice to who they should vote for or how. Um, but to sort of take me as a personal example, I would guess um, that most associates at Blue Cross don't know how I would vote. Um, and it's because I, too, need to represent myself in a nonpartisan way fundraisers for both parties, donations to both parties. Um, um, if we're going to play a role in civic engagement, encourage a nonpartisan approach, I think that many leaders uh, in a role that I'm in seek to try to strike that same nonpartisan balance. Just, just a note on that. I've yeah. observed you know, recently, as I'm sure many have, there's been an unfairness in some of what the question suggests. Um, there have been national boycotts suggested and launched based on what one executive at a company mm -hmm. or a handful of executives have done, and it's been on both sides. I don't want to name the companies so as to throw fuel on the fire. Um, one is a prominent fast food company. One is a prominent retailer that I was just re reading about, and I'm taking examples mm -hmm. now on, on both sides of the aisle, where mm -hmm. Executive X donated to the Trump campaign, so let's boycott the entire company. Or Executive Y donated to Elizabeth Warren, so let's boycott the entire company. I think we have to be worried about that creeping sense that there's gonna be a litmus test. I think it's about what the company or entity does, mm -hmm. including in the civic engagement space, and we have to be attuned to this rush to judgment that one or two or a handful of individuals either speaks for the company or merits some sort of public action against the company. I, I also would say on that that because they this is happening boycotts boycotts um, on both sides that you the some of these CEOs have huge platforms and are able to promote a view that they believe in but what we are asking companies to really do is remind people that when that CEO goes into the ballot box, he has an equal, he or she, it's usually mm -hmm. he, has an equal voice to me when I go into the ballot box sure. and so on. And so it is, voting is the great equalizer in this country. That is how our democracy was set up. And so that is where you have CEOs who may feel, and they have a First Amendment right to their own free speech about who they're supporting. And so I think it's, it is ultimately, um, we're in a moment where consumers and employees are engaging in holding leadership accountable for certain things, but that doesn't preclude reminding people and empowering them ab about their own vote and participation, which I think is important. You know, I'd love to add one other thing in response to what the secretary said, which is very profound. Um, we very much view a political interests similarly to the way we'd view any other thing that makes us different and diverse. Uh, and in, in sort of seeking to hide our political persuasion, for example, at the executive level, it's like us trying to hide our race or our gender or anything else that makes us different and distinct. And so the question is, is how do we embrace all and recognize that everyone's view matters, everyone's voice matters, and everyone's perspective matters? And I think that's what this, this civic engagement work is frankly all about. Okay, thank you for that. Um, Another great question from our audience. Uh, civic engagement is far more than voting. It's a 365 days a year engagement in civic life. 
How are companies fostering this far broader goal? Who asked this question? Come work for me. <laughs> no, come work for me. <laughs> I'll, I'll start. I mean, our, our efforts are not just isolated to election years. Um, we think it's continuous. And you're right, it's, or whomever asked the question's right, it's about just engagement generally. Um, I didn't share some of our statistics, which we're very proud of. So um, Minnesota is, is leading the nation in voter participation in the last election at 64%. 88% um, of Blue Cross associates voted in the last election. Um, and of those that are in, so good. thank you. <laughs> Of those that are in Citizen Blue, our program, 97% of those associates voted. So it very much is about broader engagement. And I, I connected with our team. We just finished our um, community giving campaign uh, where we make contributions either in time or in resources to help those in need. We're in particularly passionate about social determinants of health. We just got the results that 85% of our associates gave, uh, which is a a banner uh, participation, and so it feels to us that this has created lift. It's not just civic engagement, it's community engagement, it's giving engagement, uh, it's having people feel safe and comfortable and active in the role that they should play in the community. Uh, ditto, and then on top of that, I would say, you know, we, we have uh, year-round activities that uh, very, are important to us because we want to make sure, again, our people who work for us understand that we're a resource them, not only during election years, but in off years as well. Because, um, you know, as I like to say, like, the worst time to make a friend is when you need one, right? In politics, when you need to go ask somebody for something, it's too late. You need to already have built that foundation. And that's a really important thing that we do with our government affairs team, the grassroots work that we do, is making sure that we're there as a resource throughout the years. You know, Secretary, you came over and spoke at Target a couple of years ago. We have open forums that have been moderated by people in the community. We have mayoral forums. Um, we we want to make sure that we're there more than just one time a year, every four years or every two years. Um, you know, that also makes it very selfishly for government affairs easier for us when we do need to activate our team members on an issue that's important to us. Um, when we do need to ask for that grassroots involvement from from our from our employees. They already know us, they already trust us, they know that we operate in a nonpartisan, bipartisan way. And so that helps us you know, continue to build up that trust internally with, with the people who work at Target. Can I just say, one of the things, Craig didn't mention this, but when we were interviewing um, your com company and team, they mentioned that the employees have gotten so inspired by this program that they're constantly trying to figure out new ways to, to mark civic engagement and that they have a flag day ceremony, which I think is just so amazing. And also just we have that woven through our calendar year. There are a lot of opportunities to sort of celebrate what we have as a country and, and each individual state too. Thank you. Um, I'm going to merge about three audience questions into one here uh, and see if this works okay. Um, the business and corporate community, um, with a lot of money, good messaging, skill, et cetera, um, how are they helping uh, with fostering civic participation outside their four walls, and in particular, eliminating barriers that might exist for other parts of our community to participate in civic life, uh, be it voting, uh, volunteerism, et cetera? In other words, what you're talking about is inside Blue Cross, but what are you doing out there 
to help improve uh, civic engagement in, in parts of the community that, that tend to lag, for instance, in voter participation? I mean, I'll, I'll start. I mean, our hope is, is that, you know, it, it goes back to the comment that I made that research would suggest that civic engagement leads to greater health in communities. Um, one of the questions I commonly get is, you know, why is Blue Cross getting involved in civic engagement? Why is Blue Cross getting involved in social determinants of health? Why is Blue Cross getting into the loneliness business or the housing business or the food insecurity business? And it's because all of those have an interrelationship with health. So um, we're not just a claims company or a network company. We're a health company. And which means that anything that has a tangential influence to health, we should work on and we should share. Our hope is, is that there's a bit of a spillover effect, that we can lead by example. You know, it's not that complicated in terms of the things that we did to drive voter participation. It should be things that other companies can follow and other communities can follow. And so part of it is we raise our voice in support of it and we demonstrate and model for others how to do it and, and apply resources if that would be helpful from our resources to achieve a better result like ours. Um, that's the business we're in. And in the case study, there's a long list, um, a ladder of engagement with some very practical ways um, at civicresponsibility.org you can download. But I just want to give you a couple of examples. Um, one, you can work with local election officials um, to, in partnership, put on nonpartisan parties. We have found that having a cultural event, having a, a you know, donuts and coffee or a DJ, something that is community-oriented and fun is very helpful to fostering increased civic participation. Um, on social media, using your platforms to not just uh, in, to engage in civil discourse, but promote resources so that other people know where to get help. The thing that has been so great about National Voter Registration Day is a lot of people in this country, a surprising number, do not know that they have to be registered to vote. And so just raising awareness that that is a thing that has to happen in a lot of states. Um, keeping in mind that every state in this country is different in terms of how they administer elections. And so just making sure that the resources you're directing folks to are, are applicable state to state is incredibly helpful. Um, and really engaging in partnership, especially if you are a company that does have government relations and um, departments that work with officials, engaging with the, the secretaries of state to think about new and creative ways that you can help foster um, increased engagement. I think we often think about these folks as their job is um, sort of clearly defined and, and they won't do anything more or less. And I've never found that to be the case. People are, tend to be incredibly helpful and want to innovate and want to bring a renewed spirit to the, to the job. And I think Minnesota is such a great example of that. And um, the fact that there is such a strong partnership here is, is great. Okay, uh, another great question from our, our audience. Thank you. Our uh, this is from an employee's perspective. Uh, what advice would you have for employees who work for organizations that are not being very progressive in this kind of thing? Um, how to communicate up the, the organizational chart about the importance of fostering civic engagement. What advice do you have for frontline folks who work in places that you wish they did more? 
Secretary? Well, yeah, I have a thought about that. Um, you know, there are various steps. It's not a light switch that goes mm -hmm. on or off. You don't have to be like Target and Blue Cross, although that would be great if everyone did that, uh, but you don't have to be. It can be as simple as conveying information. Um, let me give you a hometown, very local, very timely example. Today, the University of Minnesota announced that on the student uh, class registration page, there will be a link so that students can figure out how to vote. That's it, just a link. That's all it is. But it's groundbreaking, and there is no other college or university in Minnesota that's doing that. I hope that's going to change. But, but that was so somebody in authority who made the decision to put it out there. That's how right. Do you, how does the, the frontline folks get to that person to well, inform the, or control? That, or yeah, I mean, I think that's dependent on the, the institution. But I guess the pitch, if I were that employee, would be, I'm not asking you uh, to do something radical or huge or costly. Okay. But could you do something as simple as put a link out there to mnvotes.org or put a link out there to some other resource on an employee page? It can right. be that simple going all the way up to the level of uh, the, the targets of the world and the, the Blue Cross Blue Shields of Minnesota of the world. So I think it is. it can be incremental. It can start small with simply conveying information. It doesn't have to be a big ask. Well, yeah, I'd say most corporations, you know, will have an employee resource group of some sort, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would use that as a first stop if possible to be able to use that as an opportunity to talk to the collective and have your voice be amplified then so it's not just one. So finding uh, a business council or an employee resource group at your corporation I think would be a good first step for anybody who doesn't have a really robust uh, government affairs or get out the vote or grassroots um, effort. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the only other thing that I would add <clears throat> is our program essentially was not established or created or led by the CEO. Mm -hmm. It was established, created, and led and overseen by a team of our associates. It's very much grassroots. So what I would encourage that associate to do is to find others that are passionate about civic engagement and to create a movement. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of hard for leadership to ignore when there's an associate <laughs> resource group or those that are very passionate about this work. And that's actually what has sustained the program. It's, it's the self-governing grassroots associates that are continuing to find ways to improve the program, not folks in leadership. Mm -hmm. Okay. We've had several questions here, and I, was, I think we just have to get it out in the room. Um, part of our big, several people in our audience do does perceive uh, voter registration or voter encouragement as a partisan issue. Um, with one party uh, in the name of voter security um, perceived as being uh, resistant to encouraging the vote. Is that the way you all see it? And since folks are asking, I thought I'd ask, is, is, is that the way you all see it? Um, and if so, how does that affect change your thinking with respect to what you're doing in civic engagement? Go I will, I'm going to respond yeah. really bluntly yeah. to this yeah. one <laughs> and just say, I mean, the perception is often that the Republicans don't want more people voting and Democrats will benefit if they're, they are. We are in a moment where neither party can continue to survive without encouraging more people to vote and winning them over. And so I think that um, ignoring this as an issue is to the detriment of either party. And I think just as businesses are starting to see that their consumers are going to hold them, consumers and employees are going to hold them accountable for doing this, so are the voters. This is not going to be 
for long that that I, I think that that is an issue. Um, just given that there is going to be market demand for change. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? I, I would kind say of a this. no win you <laughs> no, know, uh, well, topic. So, so uh, I think my predecessors of both parties have engaged businesses and nonprofits mm. in this work. Mm. And our office has traditionally and certainly now also reached out to any community, regardless of their political proclivity or leaning, and that includes uh, members of the business and nonprofit community as well. So that has not been my perception in Minnesota. And I think the proof is in the large level of participation among our corporate citizens. They don't perceive it that way either, and okay. I think that's a good thing. It's a fair question, but I don't think that's been the case in Minnesota. Okay. I do think it's a fair question, and I think the proof for us too is, is that our Citizen Blue Group is fiercely nonpartisan. <laughs> that there's representation from both parties who are both passionate about this. So there's a skepticism and there's a bias as Ashley's described it, but that's not been the experience that we had. It's not about politics for us, it's about voice. Uh, we want everyone to raise their voice. Okay, thank you. Uh, another great question. Uh, every four years we get all worked up about uh, elections, or maybe every two years with the off-year uh, congressional. What are we doing about school board, municipal races, um, important in their communities, uh, don't get nearly as much attention, and, and you know, voter turnout in some of these things are quite low. What are you all doing about it? Is that part of what you're thinking? Yeah, there's been a fascinating experience that's a, a really positive side effect from our Citizen Blue program, which is that we've got a bunch of our associates who are now running for office. Um, that are seeing opportunities at various levels in the political process where they should participate. They should participate not just as a voter, but as a, as a potential leader across both parties uh, as well. So, so I think that's, you know, this can spread uh, beyond just a presidential election or, um, uh, you know, not, not just an every other year phenomenon or every four year phenomenon. This can be a continuous process, and uh, the more folks realize that they should raise their voice in a political process or participate in it, um, the more we'll function as a true democracy. And, and at Target, with our citizens at Target work that we do, it's it's from A to Z, right? So the very basics of finding out where I'm registered to vote and, and some of those nonpartisan guides about finding out more about candidates and, and policies all the way to, hey, how do I run for office from, you know, dog catcher to school board to member of Congress. So, you know, we, we have that year round and that resource is built up by um, our, our team members here at headquarters. I would just say on the local election front, and this is such a year in 2019 mm -hmm. here in Minnesota, there are a smattering of school board and city council elections throughout the state that will be happening this fall in November. And I think my overall message to folks is, look, when it comes to quality of life, who the next president of the United States is, while that generates a lot of enthusiasm, and it should, um, is not going to affect whether your street is plowed, mm -hmm. uh, the quality of your child's curriculum, and the rest. It's going to be those local offices, so encouraging people to do that is very important. The other thing is I find with the local offices, in some ways strangely, uh, because they're more local and you'd think they'd be more immediate, people, there is some confusion sometimes about what is on their ballot. Do I live in a jurisdiction that has an off-year uh, school board election, I'm not sure. That's why we encourage people to, again, go to the website, mnvotes.org, where you can type in your address and see who and what is on your ballot. And sometimes it feels, uh, sometimes people are sheepish or embarrassed to ask. They feel like they're 
civically unengaged or disengaged or they're you know insufficiently attentive or, uh, but but there's no harm and shame in asking plug in your address and say oh yeah okay we do have a school board election we do have a county commissioner special election whatever it is and so we encourage that I don't know about you all but I'm always shocked at how many people there are to vote for when you get your ballot <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mosquito control district commissioner. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I care about the mosquitoes being controlled. Yeah. I really do. Uh, uh, okay, so is it feasible or practical for business organizations that might have a storefront uh, to have voter registration going on right on their in their facility? This might be a bank, might be a retailer. Um, would all hell break loose if Target did that in 10 of its largest markets? <laughs> Yeah, we have a, um, please. a. I'm sorry, say again. <laughs> I said please. Yeah, no, we, um, we we have a policy where we don't have any of that set up. So you know, it's just whether it's you're on the left or the right, whether you like purple or blue, whatever the approach is going to be. Um, it's we have a, a no solicitation policy at our at our stores, and we've been asked quite a bit by, as you would imagine, both camps on both sides and all the all the years. So it just it lets our our employees focus on what is really important at the time which is serving the people who come shop at our stores without worrying about one side or the other um, you know getting involved with that experience okay and we feel again we go back to the what we do in our communities and the way we actually do show up to be pretty meaningful without having to have that piece interjected okay how about a link on your website same thing a link on our target.com website for instance or usbank.com or Blue Cross Blue Shield MN.org or whatever. And, and the link would say? Just a voter registration. It takes you to something like that. Um, yeah. I'm also impractical? Definitely above my pay grade, but I would, um, you know, it's not, I would have to think more about what the pros okay. and the cons of that be. Again, this is about being an active citizen, right? So it's about registering to vote, getting out and exercising right. that, that constitutional right that we have. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it seems like a pretty safe thing to do, but again, it's, a, it's well ab above my ability to make that happen. Okay. If I may paint you a picture of my dream for America. <laughs> um, it, we have so many interesting holidays in this country. Um, Valentine's Day and I would argue the Super Bowl that are really <laughs> deeply built by corporate America in a way that we all are forced to celebrate or encourage strongly. And mm -hmm. I feel like there is such an opportunity to do the same with Election Day and to do it in a way where, you know, I know that when we are um, celebrating the Super Bowl, that not everyone in the country is rooting for the Patriots as they should be. But, <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> um, but so there is a way to foster a holiday where you are not forced to root for one over the other. And I think that where we can have more brands, small businesses, um, companies with storefronts, really engage in making this um, more festive, more fun. I mean, we still, I mean, despite all the work that the secretaries here have done to try to help modernize elections, there's still bureaucratic endeavors. We sort of go out and trek to the polls on a Tuesday. Maybe you vote early. It's not the sexiest activity that you do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's just such an opportunity to like make this a different culture and to inspire that it is fun to actually have a say in how your town your county, your city, your uh, state and country get run. And so I think that um, trying to engage more businesses to help with that spirit of voting and make it more patriotic. I, I, I wish we could 
change election day to be like July 4th or something so that we are actually in the spirit uh, when it happens. But that is my dream for, for all of these companies, whether that's just internally focused or you're externally focused on consumers. Um, I also think it would be, I've thought a lot about this, I think it would be a great benefit to the companies. I think you could sell a lot of democracy merch right now because it is trending. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Is there anything that our state can do um, in terms of policy from the legislature uh, that would help businesses with this effort? This might be one for you, Secretary. That's a good question. What can the legislature do uh, to foster this? Well, um, I'm not thinking so much in terms of the legislature as I am, and this is sort of tagging off of Ashley's last point about this idea of the spirit that we can all get in and government can lend a hand. You know, one trend I just want to highlight, um, if I'm slightly hijacking your question, um, <laughs> is uh, you know, we talk about election day and that's terribly important, of course, but in Minnesota and other states, there's been a trend away from voting just on election day. We have no excuses absentee voting in Minnesota. Before we pass that law, about 8% of Minnesotans would typically vote absentee, meaning the day, the week, the month before election. Last election, it was 24%. So we're getting to the point, if that wave keeps going, where it could be more than 30, 35%. So the way to think of it, all the more reason, I think, for uh, Ashley's suggestion is, election day is no longer necessarily the day we vote. Election day is the last day that we vote of mm -hmm. a, in our case, 46-day period that mm -hmm. ends with the big crescendo on election day. But if 25% becomes 35% or even 40% someday, there will be a diminished focus on just that one day, at least being the only day. And it can really be a, a period of weeks where we're talking about voting and the fact that you can vote right now. So um, while I ducked your question as to a particular legislative solution, I think that in particular is something worth noting that came from the legislature. Right. Okay, thank you. Um, I, an audience member pointed out the University of Minnesota Libraries has voter registration at checkout, which was kind of cool. Oh. Um, I think we have uh, one last question, and um, it's always helpful to, to, to frame things up as to where we go here. From uh, so, from my perspective, you know, what? How far along are you in terms of your of, of the engagement efforts that you've done? Um, does it feel like we're just getting started? Does it feel like we're got a long way to go uh, to have a, a civic engagement program that that's really working and meeting uh, what you think the need is? Well, our gap is from 88% to 100. <laughs> okay. So we've come a long way. Uh, is your goal really 100? Do you actually articulate that as an no, idea? No, um, we, we don't. 100 There's of anything. Too absolute. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'd, we'd love to continue to see it go higher. I think we're very proud of where it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it certainly is industry leading, nation leading. Um, but it's a, uh, as we discussed, it's an ongoing improvement okay. initiative. What else? Can we do to make it easier? How do we make it clear that it's nonpartisan? And is there skepticism? And that's why people don't come out and vote. So I think it's hopefully it will it will inch up over the coming years. Yeah. Isaac, you you lean forward like you had something to say. I I think again this is a part of what we're trying to do to yeah. to get to those tougher conversations, right? So the the registering to vote, the get out to vote should be a pretty nonpartisan piece that, that all of our team members and our guests feel comfortable with, that hopefully is gonna lay the groundwork for some of those harder conversations. And you know, quite frankly, we in, in our shop at Target 
you know, we go and do roadshows with all of our leaders across the entire company and say, hey, when you get those tough questions about issue A, B, or C, send them our way. That's what we do for a living. We're, ha we're happy to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. um, but unless we're doing some of that nonpartisan, you know, foundational work like GOTV work, it's hard to have that next series of conversations. So we want to continue to build and to be uh, aggressive in our grassroots efforts and continue to, to provide resources. But it's all leading towards demystifying and getting the ugliness out of some of the conversations down the road. Okay. I, all right. Go ahead. This change is coming. It's happening. And I think that if you have an opportunity to get ahead of it, it's going to be only positive for your company and, and your folks. And I would just encourage you um, to think about that culture of voting and the fun parts, and especially as we have such a hard time engaging young people in this country, um, just ways that this can become something that's not necessarily viewed as a burden, but as a really exciting thing to participate in. I highly recommend selfie stations as a way to <laughs> somewhere that you can display your I voted sticker or that you've done it, um, things like that that are helpful. So, Thank you. Uh, that concludes our panel. Let's thank everybody on that day. Now we'd like to hear from uh, Paul Pate, uh, Secretary of State of the great state of Iowa, uh, who will conclude our... Go Twins. All right. I got that in for you. All right. Uh, I think it's great to see the Minnesota Chamber uh, and all these panelists here today put this kind of a focus on. Uh, granted, we're in kind of a warm-up as we go into the, um, these off-election year cycles, but it's uh, for us in the elections game, it's kind of our off-Broadway performance. It's our warm-up to get ready for the, the 2020, but every election is important. Uh, I say in our state that we're always having an election. You look around, there's always something going on, whether it's a bond issue, whether it's a school board or a special, there seems to be some kind of civic activity. But I want to compliment the panel. I appreciate it, and I took a lot of notes, frankly, both as Iowa Secretary of State and as President of the National Association of Secretaries of State. Uh, it's uh, very important to have this kind of dialogue. I, I'm going to put a plug in. Uh, Steve Simon, your Secretary of State, I have the opportunity to work with him very closely on our Board of Directors for the National Association of Secretaries. And as a, a neighboring state, we, uh, we, we put a lot of effort into this. And the media may portray this partisan thing all the time, but the reality is we work as secretaries across the board. It's very nonpartisan. You know, we're the, we're the referees. You don't get to choose a team. You, you're there to help the process. And civic engagement is just that. We're not telling you how to vote. We just want to make sure you have the tools to be a successful voter. So as Ashley pointed out, my vote is just as important as the CEO of a company's or anyone else in Minnesota or any other state. So that's important for us in messaging and trying to keep people motivated and, and part of the process. And uh, Minnesota's got great uh, statistics when it comes to voter engagement and participation. I like to think the Midwest is just rich in this type of dedication and focus. Uh, yeah, I think it is the water, Steve. Uh, you know, because you know, all this northern water, you go and you get those heavy winter snows, it all comes down to Iowa. Uh, so <laughs> so we, we do need that uh, as we reach out. 
I, uh, as a business owner myself uh, and as uh, someone who's been involved in public service for a long time, a lot of that was rooted in the fact my parents bought us up that way. That's a Midwest thing. Give back. Be civically involved. It's quality of life. Uh, that's why people raise families here in the Midwest. That's why they think this area is great, Minnesota and Iowa, et cetera, is because it's a place. They appreciate the role of government because if they don't have a voice at the table, who will be the next person determining these things? So as businesses step in, uh, I think it's, it's even a better uh, strategy, and I look forward to seeing even more results as we go forward. I intend to help encourage other secretaries to look at what you're doing here as a model. Uh, we do that every day in a fairness. Uh, us as secretaries, we're looking at ways to educate people so that everyone has the same access to voting. And uh, we're working hard to nudge you a little here on your statistics, Steve. Uh, uh, we have 90% of our voters registered in Iowa, the eligible voters. Uh, we have about 62% uh, who, who uh, voted in 2018. That was a, a record turnout for, at the, for that kind of election. And in 2016, we had 73%. I think it's because, this is a little history lesson for those of you here, I don't want to shock you, but Minnesota was actually Iowa first. The Iowa Territory, go back and check it out. It was, if you look at the map, it was Iowa, Minnesota, parts of North and South Dakota. I have a big territorial map in my office, and I always point that out to my Minnesota friends. You know, we're all one big happy family. And I think that speaks volumes for what we're doing here. And I would just uh, encourage you to help carry that message out for today and uh, encourage those businesses. I would like to talk more in the future about small businesses because I appreciate the role Target, Blue Cross have. Uh, they're the big grab, if you will, when you're going out there. But we all know the majority of jobs created in Minnesota and Iowa and others is small businesses. And when the question was asked about how does an employee get their boss to follow that through, they may not have all the same resources. But I would put a plug in for that. Call your Secretary of State's office or your county commissioner of elections. They'd be more than happy to help you out. So thank you for what you did here, and I look forward to seeing you even more in the future. Thank you. Thank you.